0: This is Michael Osterlink. I'm here with another dose of Fine Wisdom, that's going to be the hashtag Fine, F-E-I-N, Wisdom. And it's with Bruce Fine, Constitutional Scholar. How you doing, Bruce? I'm doing well this morning. Thank you, Michael. Fantastic. Well, the Prime Minister of Israel, Prime Minister Netanyahu, is coming tomorrow to the U.S. Congress to talk about why we should basically scuttle our diplomacy with Iran and why they are an existential threat to both Israel, obviously, and to the broader Western world. You disagree with that contention.
1: Well, a couple of observations I'd like to make uh, to go back to square one, uh, Michael, about the visit. visit. Uh, Netanyahu came and testified before Congress in 2003 concerning uh, President Bush's invasion of Iraq uh, in pursuit of imaginary weapons of mass destruction. And Netanyahu at that time uh, was emphatic, unequivocal that he knew Saddam had weapons of mass destruction and he was going to use them. Uh, of course, he didn't have weapons of mass destruction. He didn't use them. Uh, Netanyahu also was convinced that uh, democratization of the Middle East through Saddam was the course of the future, uh, that it was clearly something more probable than building a perpetual ma- motion machine. And uh, Arab Spring has shown he was utterly lunatic. The idea, I mean, it, it's no more probable than to tell Netanyahu, well, what you should do is bring the rule of law to Hamas. You know? uh, bring the Bill of Rights to Hamas. You know, utterly absurd advice. Of course, we followed it and then paid trillions of dollars and wasted lives in turning you know, Iraq into a, um, a satellite of Iran as a result of this staggering stupidity. Again, all following the advice of Netanyahu. So why someone who is so discredited would be eagerly sought Uh, in charting policy towards Iran is somewhat stunning. Uh, It would be a little bit like asking uh, General George C. Custer to give advice on fighting Indians after the Battle of the Little Bighorn. You'd say that's sort of an odd choice. But putting that aside, I think the larger picture, Michael, concerns a premise I think is completely false that is championed by the neocons, and that is the idea that the rulers of Iran are utterly and completely crazy. They cannot be deterred like all other nations in the history of the world through nuclear retaliation or otherwise uh, from using nuclear weapons if they obtained them and therefore what worked uh, during the Cold War uh, what worked during the Cuban Missile Crisis uh, what has worked with regard to nuclear powers like India uh, Pakistan, North Korea Uh, will not work with regard to Iran. Somehow they are uniquely endowed with this very malignant uh, DNA that caused them to crave, you know, nuclear incineration. Because you can imagine with uh, literally thousands of nuclear warheads that we have, tens of thousands, hundreds that uh, Israel has, and and Iran having simply nuclear capability, you know, is said to have an existential threat. You could imagine that they wouldn't, Israel, I mean, Iran wouldn't even exist in the in the the global uh, uh, regime of nations if it sought to use a nuclear weapon. Uh, And aside from what I think is just our common sense that the human species is built uh, largely to survive, uh, self-preservation is an instinct in every nation and an instinct in every human being, uh, that... uh, that the history of Iranian diplomacy or international relations suggests that they are utterly reckless and, and don't respond to real politic incentives uh, as great powers, if you will, Stalin and Mao tse and others. Uh, but I don't think that there's a crumb of evidence that supports that proposition. Uh, take, first of all, why might uh, Iran have a great fear of Uh, the United States if it was not nuclear-armed. It remembers in 1953 the United States overthrew the popularly elected uh, Prime Minister uh, Mohammed Mossadegh in favor of the Shah of Iran. So we've already overthrown one country. Moreover, they look and they saw when Colonel Qaddafi in Libya abandoned his WMD, what did the United States do? Soon afterwards, war, invasion, killing Qaddafi and and Libya is in uh, shambles at present. Uh, So they're hardly... uh, Uh, irrational in assuming that the United States uh, would take to uh, advantage or seek to exploit uh, their military vulnerability to manipulate, overthrow, destroy the regime. Indeed, that's sort of the policy. Regime change is the policy of the United States towards Iran. It goes back years, and Newt Gingrich was a big champion of regime change. So those are totally rational fears. Moreover, even uh, despite those fears, the the Iranians have acted uh, diplomatically in a very uh, rational, uh, real politique fashion. For instance, when Saddam Hussein attacked uh, Iran, there was a 1980 and 1988 war. Uh, we were supporting Saddam Hussein, but they negotiated uh, an end to the war. They didn't say, uh, Jihad is great, and therefore if we die fighting Saddam and the Sunnis, we'll all go to heaven with 77 virgins, and so we'll never, ever negotiate a truth. They did negotiate a truth that... Ended the war, even though Saddam was using chemical weapons and sending rockets uh, into cities, uh, Iran did not respond in kind. And during those conflicts, uh, the United States Navy accidentally shot down a civilian passenger plane in Iran over the Persian Gulf. Hundreds died, and they asked reparations. Iran didn't go to war, if you will. Um, uh, and insofar as we certainly witness, you know, Iran as a sponsor, it's listed as a state sponsor of terrorism. Uh, There's no doubt it supports Hezbollah, other terrorist groups, but on the other hand, are they responding to nothing? There's no doubt that Israel and the United States have assassinated uh, scientists working on the Iranian nuclear program, Uh, and it's clear that uh, we support those groups that would try to overthrow or destabilize the government of Iran. That's what countries do. And if you ask about, maybe it's vicious, surely true, but look what happened in Moscow the other day. A critic of Putin just suddenly got shot in the head. And it's pretty clear that Putin is the one that's responsible. We don't say, oh, my gosh, then we have a crazy man in Moscow. We can't rely on deterrence. You know, We need to invade or destroy Russia's weapons of mass destruction.
0: You had mentioned Hezbollah. And one of the concerns I hear from um, some folks is that, Iran, if they did get a nuclear weapon, might be willing to give it to outside groups, terrorist groups, who are not restrained by the nation-state survival mechanism? Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Well, let's... Listen, there's always a possibility of anything. You know, the moon could be made out of green cheese. It's possible. But that's not the history of countries that have... When when the Soviet Union Mm -hmm. had nuclear weapons, they wouldn't give them to Cuba. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't give them to any of their satellite states who might use them in a rogue fashion. Why would Iran want... You know, countries like to control their future, not to hand them, you know, roll the dice. Why would you want to give the decision that could provoke a Western retaliation against Iran to someone else who you don't have any control over? Uh, Now, is it conceivable? Maybe. Uh, But there's no evidence that that is what happened. You could argue that the Pakistanis, who have nuclear weapons and have a... when Zia al-Haq was the president, was a very radical religious figure. You know, well, did he give weapons to uh, uh, al-Qaeda? No. Is there some risk of that? Yeah, there's always a possibility of risk. But even if that's true, how do we know that they have a delivery vehicle? Why would they use them? You know, know, or they just uh, invite uh, a response that could totally destroy them. Now is there a possibility there's possibilities of everything but in terms of magnitude michael and i think this is very very important in the united states we accept routinely risks that lead to the homicides of about 17,000 americans by murder every year that is since 9/11 you talk about 200,000 a staggering number you know more of the killed at nagasaki and hiroshima nuclear bombs so well where's the risk you know is it you can't reduce uh, risk uh, in, in life to zero uh, but is that risk justified, going to war against Iran? Uh, and I can tell you, that's going to be a lot more risky and costly uh, in, in, in danger to the United States than otherwise. Because nuclear weapons are not the only way you can kill people. You can have genocide without nuclear weapons, as showed in Rwanda. Uh, without any high sophisticated weapons, we had 9 uh, so this fixation on, on nuclear as opposed to other methods of killing seems to me quite unjustified.
0: So let me go down another path. We are, we are engaged in diplomatic discussions with Iran so they, they can have a nuclear program for energy purposes but not for uh, weaponizing their, their nuclear capacities. In exchange for that, we will start engaging with them diplomatically on a higher level. Culturally, you know, trade will open up. They can. We're giving up some of the money that we've held in escrow, to mm-hmm. a certain extent, since the, since the, the Ayatollah took over uh, Iran. Um, American companies will start being able to engage in the Iranian uh, marketplace. I always thought, except for the weapons, and I put the weapons aside, that if anyone is really serious about regime change, and this is, I've been articulating this since 2005 when I started doing some work on Iran on the Hill, that if you really want regime change, the more Americans in Iran, the better. Because the majority of the population, 18 to 35, is not necessarily pro-American, but pro-Western in culture, and not so fond of the the pre-modern religionists who run the country. You know, they are open to the possibility Of through engagement with us, becoming more like us. You know, hopefully not completely like us because we have Mm -hmm. some bad habits. But, you know, cultural engagements, diplomatic engagements, uh, market engagements would actually lead to a change in the Iranian regime over the long haul versus us attempting to covertly replace them. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I don't know whether it, it would change the regime. Sometimes it may, sometimes it may not. Uh, I mean, to some degree, when we sort of isolated uh, South Africa with apartheid, the regime changed, but sometimes it has an opposite effect. Things, when we boycotted Castro, I mean, nothing's happened at all. But I think the larger question that you raise, uh, Michael, is, is more important, which is why is it the business of the United States to be involved in regime change? Our regime change is imitation by example. That's what it was from the outside. We don't go abroad in search of monsters to destroy. And the fact is, we can't change uh, in the long term, uh, you know, a political culture. It's got to be indigenous. Otherwise, we'll be occupying the country forever. And even if it became a little, it it, maybe if it reverted to Mossadegh, it could kill, go back at some time to the Shah, who knows. But, you know, that's not really our business other than self-defense and the fact that we're human beings. So we think that, People ought to be free, and that's what our example is about. But this idea that we know culture, we can't even understand our own political system, which is in dysfunction. And we're going to go to other countries? We have no idea what their cultural signals are. Politically, they're pre-Magna Carta. And we're going to decide the regime change for them? Could you imagine how insulted the United States would be if Iran came and said, you know, you guys really don't know how to run yourselves. We will sort of dictate how new we're going to write a new declaration of independence for you in a new constitution because you guys are backward we'd say you know what we get to decide how we want to govern ourselves government by the consent of the governed. you know you want to give us advice you know write about it in the sky we can read books but you know our entitlement as human beings is self-government and the same with you We may dislike it, and people want to volunteer and urge democracy in that sense. That's what they can do. But it should not be the business of the United States, and it wasn't for hundreds of years, to decide whether regime change is good or bad elsewhere. Individuals may or may not decide to exercise that judgment. We're human beings. We don't like to see other people suffer and be uh, miserable. Uh, But with regard to the government of the United States, we do business with other countries because it helps us. When we allied with Joe Stalin, in World War II, despite the fact that at that time, I think worse than Mao, he was the greatest malefactor of blood in the history of the world. It wasn't because we were going to democratize the Soviet Union. It was because it was in the interest of the United States. And that's what real realpolitik is about. Individuals, maybe you like it, maybe you don't. But the government of the United States, we do business with anybody. We, as long as they are peaceful towards us, uh, we will incinerate them if they attack us. Uh, But otherwise, you know, that's that is the best that we can do, maintaining our own democratic dispensation. And one of the problems is attempting to be a policeman of the world is we destroy our own democratic dispensation. You can't be a policeman without all the power going to the president. Then you end up with secrecy. Then you end up going everywhere in the world to prevent alleged genocides. And at that point, you end up with rule by decree. Congress becomes invertebrate. The courts are zero, and we destroy our republic at home and our ability to influence by example.
0: Speaking of destroying our republic at home, you've written a couple books. Uh, can you tell us the titles of the books, where we can find them, as well as your personal website?
1: Yes. Uh, the two most important books that I've written recently, one, Constitutional Peril, The Life and Death Struggle for Our Constitution and Democracy, and the other is American Empire Before the Fall. You can buy both of those books off of Amazon. And my website, you can buy the books there as well, <laughs> www. BruceFineLaw.com, fine Fine spelled F-E-I-N.
0: Great. Thank you, Bruce.
1: Thank you.